0: Understanding your habits and intuitive eating. Disclaimer this recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight, and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you guys are doing well today. I'm doing it right. I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, I'm batch recording some content. So I'm feeling pumped up. It felt like the universe today told me you need to record podcasts because I did have several appointments, but they had to get canceled for various reasons. I just had it's a wide open, um, day and I was meant to record podcasts anyway, but now it's like even easier. So I'm ready to go. Uh, but today I wanted to talk about surprising and possibly uncommon. Some of them aren't as uncommon, but surprising reasons you may be binging. Some reasons that you may not think about when you actually turn to binging. There there are obvious ones like you're not eating enough, you're being mean to yourself, that sort of stuff. But I feel like we talk about that all the time. I want to talk about some obscure things based on my experience with my own bulimia recovery journey and then also with my clients that I talk to and uh, share that with you and maybe some of them will hit home and i find also that when you know why you're binging it becomes easier to solve the problem because you understand why you're utilizing it i feel like a lot of people see binging as their enemy and their worst nemesis and and um the bane of their existence but it's really like the urges to binge you binging it's probably there because it's trying to solve a problem, right? When we look at habits, if you look at binging from a habit perspective, obviously it's not always a habit, but there's a habit element of it. If you look at what habits are, they're automatic solutions to problems. They're your brain's way of connecting the dots for you so that you don't have to think about it. And you just have this automatic solution that you do whenever this trigger arises. That really is what urges are with binging. And sometimes it's a solution to solve the fact that you're not eating enough, but sometimes it's a solution for other things. And we're going to talk about that today. But I do want to let you guys know if you're struggling with binging and merging out there, you're struggling with uh, recovery, you're trying to do it. It's not out yet, but later this month, I'm rolling out another free challenge. I haven't done this in a while um, because I felt like I'll tell you the honest reasons. Last year I did a lot of things, did a lot of free challenges called the, um, no binge free challenge or whatever. And it was a week long and it actually taught people a lot and helped a lot of people recover. Um, and people went on to join my program afterwards and they had a lot of success. So I don't think it was bad, but what I did notice in the group is because it was a no binge challenge, the people that, Got in there and then binge the first day. They just kind of gave up, or they were so mean to themselves because they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, binge, have a binge-free week. So they were so upset and they got defeated. And that's not what I want. I, I don't want to discourage people. The challenge is meant to help people, not discourage them. So I'm working on a new name for it. It's going to be about um, trying to be binge-free, behavior-free, but it's going to have a little bit more wiggle room. And I hope people that come into it are willing to learn. So if you are on my email list, you're following me on Instagram. Instagram, you're following this podcast, you'll know when it comes out. Uh, the easiest way to join my email list is just go to my website and check out my free course. And you can join that. And then if you are on my email list, you will certainly get announcements of the free challenge. So look out for that. And then there's also a free group coaching call happening um March 8th. So it's coming out next week. If you're listening to this, uh and you can just join that. And if you need help, you're welcome to come on the call and get feedback directly from me. Okay, outside of that, um, let's talk about urges. Surprising reasons why you're binging. The one weirdest one that the one that people often don't think about is because you're trying to solve problems. And I know I just said how Habits from binging and purging, like it's it's the automatic solution to a problem. But sometimes I feel like people use binging to give their mind a break to solve problems. I just went out with a friend last week. Uh, we went bouldering. For those of you guys that don't know, it's just rock climbing indoors. That's what they call it here. I don't know if that's worldwide, but it's a rock climbing gym basically. And she took me. I don't usually rock climb, but she took me to go experiment with different routes. And she was she was much more into it than I was. Uh, I liked it, but she was more like, "Oh, you can take this route. This is the easy route." and then you can uh, try to do this. And the harder the routes are, the harder it is to actually surpass it. And what I noticed when I was climbing those things is because it was actually quite a lot of problem solving skills required because you had to move your body in different ways and use the grips in certain ways. And if you grabbed the wrong grip on the route of the rock climbing thing, then you suddenly were stuck and you either had to hop off or you know try to muscle it out, which usually didn't work out. But my friend told me, I asked her, oh, do you listen to music while you rock climb? Like, what do you like about it? What's what? Do you, what's your routine like? And she says, often actually, since they have a cafe here, I will bring my laptop and I will do work. And then in between really hard work problems, I go... And then I do a route and then I come back and do a little bit more work. And then I go back, do a route, go back and do more work. And she says, it helps my brain just kind of take my mind off of a problem. And then usually when I come back, I can actually solve the problem. And there's a lot of research to support this. I remember reading the book Essentialism when they talked about how these big millionaire tycoons often take time out of the year just to play, just to read, seclude themselves, and not do anything, because giving your brain space and freedom actually helps you be more creative and often helps you problem solve. If you've ever been having like an issue during the whole day and you can't seem to solve it and you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, no matter what you do, it's not solvable. And then you go drive somewhere and suddenly, when you're not even focused on it, you get that you get the solution or like you remember a name you couldn't remember before. That's the same thing. Now, how this relates to binging is oftentimes I see people using binging as their free, numb out, chill time to then come back to the problems that they were struggling with to remember things. I'll never forget a client session I had with this CEO of quite a big company. And she told me, yeah, sometimes when I'm struggling with a um, campaign that we're working on or something, I will want to binge. And sometimes I do, just like eating the food allows me to kind of problem solve and think about it in a different way. So you're using binging sometimes as your free space to creatively think, which is so wild. I never thought about it, but sometimes I would like to procrastinate and work when there's something I was really struggling with. I would sometimes binge. And then afterwards I was able to go back to that work and perform supposedly better, but actually probably lowered my performance, but I was able to think a little bit more clearly in some ways. Now, this doesn't mean that you should use binging and purging for that. I'm not encouraging those behaviors, but now you might be able to see similar things in your life when you're using that. If that is the case for you, I invite you to just Allow yourself to go chill out for a little while. Find another way to have a creative outlook. One of my creative outlooks is just listening to music. I was just listening to music before um, I got on this this, uh, podcast recording. I just went to a concert for, it was like a metal alternative rock concert. I love that type of music. If you ever listen, look at my Spotify, it's going to be metal alternative rock. And then it's going to be like EDM dance rap music. That's a lot of what I learned. And then sometimes oldies, like old rock. But anyway... Music, for me, kind of allows me the space to just free my mind dance a little bit, have a good time. It takes me to a different place. And then oftentimes I'd be able to come back to it. Sometimes one of my clients, she likes diamond painting, which is a new trend where you're just, it's kind of like painting by number, but painting by diamonds. Find some sort of activity you can do that gives you the same sort of numbing agent that binging does, but a little bit different and allows your mind creative time to take your your fixation off whatever problem you're dealing with and go to that for a little bit. And then you might find them once you come back stronger, once you come back, you're actually able to come back thinking better, stronger, and you're not as um, depleted from the binging and purging. Oftentimes I hear a lot too, that people think it, uh, it just, Binging and purging makes them more productive. It really doesn't. Like I just want you to call you out on the lie that your brain is trying to feed you right now. I talked to a lot of people where they're like, well, if I, I always use binging and purging to get work done. And I always ask them, well, was it helpful? Was it actually productive? And they're like, no. I would have been much more productive had I just had a snack and then gone back to work. But I always think that because um, I'm I'm not allo- allowing the urge, then I have to do that in order to get work done. That's never actually the case. So don't don't let your brain fool you there. All right. Another one is it's because you're bored, uh, which is something that we don't often think about. We often think about, well, I was really sad. I was upset. It was a hard day. But binging just becomes this sometimes thing that you do because it's so habitual. I remember this quote from uh, Eight Keys of Recovery. It's a really good recovery book. Uh, These people have lived experience plus they're clinical therapists, I believe. So really great informative book. But they say it may, your eating disorder may have started out as a coping tactic or um, a compensation tactic to try to counteract the starvation that you're going through, something like that. But often times, even if it was because you originally became binge because it was an emotional response or something was happening, it just becomes a what you do. Like when you, whatever's going on, binging is the solution. I remember that too. There would just be times where I, I suddenly had free space or people would suddenly leave the house and then I was all alone. And then my mind immediately out of nowhere would be like, oh, want to binge? Like, let's just go see what's in the fridge. Because it's something, that, it's an activity, right? It's something you 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 know easily to do that will fill the time, will be rewarding. And you've done it a million times before. It's not that hard. It becomes habitual, it becomes something to do. And boredom really is an e a, a big trigger that people don't notice. Um, and they don't understand why it's so bad. Boredom's kind of funny. Um, I was listening to Atlas of the heart by Brene Brown, which was, uh, I'm still listening to it, but it's a really good book. I'm late to the game on that, but she talks about boredom. And if you struggle with emotions, I think this is a fascinating book for anyone to read who has trouble identifying emotions or dealing with them. She really lays it out quite well, but boredom was an interesting one. And she said, boredom is actually, um, something that helps you access your creativity i'm butchering the quote let me find it actually she said renee brown says the lack of stimulation that defines being bored gives our minds room to play and grow i love that so boredom is super uncomfortable and she said it usually manifests in either frustration or anxiousness i found boredom always unsettling because since i was so used to using my eating disorder to fill my time when i was actually bored I didn't really have any thoughts rolling around in my head, which is crazy to think about now, because I feel like now I'm, I'm constantly thinking about things. But when I was going through my eating disorder, I was so fixated on my eating disorder that I had kind of, and this is not the case for everyone, this is just the case for me, I felt like I had lost the ability to creatively think or know what to do with my time when I wasn't eating or wasn't distracted by mandatory things like work or my relationship or something like that. So therefore boredom, when I was suddenly faced with, I don't have anything to do, I don't know what to do tons of, either, either there was nothing going on in my brain, which was super scary, Or um, tons of unsettling thoughts rolled in, like you're such a horrible person, you're disgusting, you're fat, whatever it was, an abusive thing I wanted to say to myself that day. So boredom really like it either turned nasty or it turned to nothing, which was scary. And and that also made me feel terrible because it's like, well, you can't find a way to entertain yourself. What's wrong with you? What I should have done and what helps me now is actually being bored is quite a good thing because I always ask clients like, what's the benefit of boredom? Because it's a big trigger for a lot of people boredom when you allow yourself to be bored and you don't tap out with your eating disorder it's actually quite beneficial because then you have to be forced to find other creative solutions you have to think about different things sometimes maybe you start thinking about things that you haven't in a long time yesterday uh i dropped i i needed to take the car somewhere and it was it was out of my um basically needed to be somewhere without wi-fi yesterday and which sucks because i'm like i have work to do but when I, where I was without Wi-Fi, I was able to just use my notes on my computer, or my laptop. And I actually just ended up being really creative because I didn't have any distractions. I couldn't use my phone. I couldn't use my computer. And I just had to type and I had posts to make for the following day. And I just wrote out those posts, just using my own imagination, my own brain. And at first, my brain was really resistant to it, just like when we're bored, we're like, we need to find something to do. We need a quick hit. We need that, we need that dopamine, right? But when you can just sit with it for a second, you might find that there's other solutions. And sometimes it's really helpful to be bored for a little bit. So again, you can have what we were talking about before, the creative problem-solving solution. Boredom's actually a friend. If you take anything away from this, think about boredom as the access for the creative side of you and a potential for you to do something new, to do something that you really like, or to figure out something that would be really good for you. Or think about something you haven't thought thought about in a while, but you actually need to do. Boredom is a really, really good thing. And I think it's healthy to be bored every once in a while. I remember being bored all the time as a kid, and that led sometimes to the best days. I grew up in the country and I didn't have neighborhood kids I could hang out with. So a lot of times I filled my boredom by going outside and playing with the farm animals or making up some sort of game, that sort of stuff. And it was probably actually really helpful for my development, even though I was a little bit isolated. Maybe that wasn't as helpful for me. Okay, another reason you might uh, be binging is because you're scared to let go. Maybe you have a little bit of FOMO. And this is a hard one to talk about, but I do see it a lot. First of all, if you're scared to let it go, don't feel bad about it. That's pretty common. I mean, your eating disorder is likely a big piece of your life right now. And to be told, well, it's got to go away. You can't ever binge again. That makes you feel very... Restricted, And it almost makes you feel like, well, because I can't have it again, I want it, right? And what's, what's my life going to be like without it? If you don't know what your life is like without your eating disorder, it is hard to let go of it. I would, if I were you, try to figure out, well, why are you scared to let go of it? What do you think is going to happen? What's the fear there? And how could you maybe address that fear? How could you approach that fear? Is it really going to be such a horrible thing to let go of it? And I always like to tell people, no one's making you give up your eating disorder. You don't have to give up your eating disorder. You don't have to give up binge but it's often important it's often important to look at what's your life going to be like without binging we are so scared to let it go sometimes and think about well here are the damages if we keep keep it in our life and um but like what's our? we don't know what our life is going to be like but let yourself dream a little bit i haven't said that in a while but Let yourself imagine and daydream about what your life could be like if you weren't binging. And get to the nitty gritty details. Oftentimes I hear the surface level things of, oh, I'd have more time. I would be healthier. But what does that actually look like in your life day to day? How would your life change? How would your relationships be affected? How would your work life be affected? How would your hobbies be affected? What do you think you might start doing? What benefits would you get? what actions, what would would your life look like at six o'clock in the afternoon if you weren't binging and purging? That's really specific and important to look at and maybe helps you be able to let go of it a little bit more because you understand there's something on the other side. And oftentimes what's on the other side is bigger. And i just posted on my Instagram, just a fun carousel of things I did over the weekend. But the main point of that was living your life outside of bulimia is highly important because it shows you that there's a life bigger than your eating disorder and I think when you're scared to let go of your eating disorder you think it's because your eating disorder is offering you something that life outside of your eating disorder can't and something cool to know is that once you when you get through recovery I have found and I think this is the case for a lot of people that your desire for the things your eating disorder gave you goes down you don't I don't want to binge anymore. I don't like, and I say that truly, like I really don't want to binge anymore. I never really usually have the desire for it. The most desires I have to binge is like eating a bunch of food when I'm really hungry. And even then it's nowhere near the desire I had for food when I was going through bulimia. You don't want that anymore. And you don't want to do unhealthy things anymore to your body. You really just want to live your life It's almost like breaking up with an ex. I remember my ex from high school, um, which is hilarious. Like, I think of them and I'm like, how did I ever date someone like that? Why would I ever want to be with him? But I did at the time. That's what bulimia is like. And that's what breaking up with bulimia is like. Okay. Um, The other reason that might be surprising to you is that you're in physical or mental scarcity around food. And the physical one's obvious. Like, you're just not eating enough. But the mental scarcity is one that I've talked about a lot, but I want to just reiterate it as many times as possible. Um, You could be having mental scarcity around food, meaning you're eating enough, which was the case for me, but you are constantly thinking about how you shouldn't be eating that. You're thinking about why it's not healthy for you. You're thinking about this is the last time we're going to eat this. And then we start a diet tomorrow. Um, This is bad. You should, you can only eat this when you binge. You're eating enough food, but you are constantly telling yourself that it is the last time and that this food is going to go away at some point or you're just not paying attention while you're eating it and therefore you're not really perceiving that you're eating it so it feels like food is scarce then you're likely going to want to binge more because it's the only way you can eat a bunch of food guilt-free because you're going to purge it or something else like that. So you might want to be more mindful when you're eating and pay attention to thoughts that make you feel like you've actually enjoyed and and uh, felt that food and had it, and then it's accessible and available to you at all times. Something helpful I did during my recovery is I had Halo Top ice cream and the Magic Shell chocolate syrup almost every single night. Like I went through a pint of that stuff and I probably went through multiple bottles a week. I did not need that much chocolate or ice cream. It was probably not healthy for me. My body probably took a hit from that. It was probably healthier than binging and purging all the time. But that food, that was my safety food. It made me feel like this is available. I can have this. For some reason, I felt safe around it. I didn't feel like I was going to binge it. If I had real ice cream, for some reason, that was triggering to me. But I ate that every single night and that taught me and and during that I like I really thought about how like this is okay this is available to you we can have another pint tomorrow this is tasty you're allowed to have this you're allowed to eat it and digest it you don't have to purge it that really built abundance with food for, for me maybe try to find find something like that for you a safety food that you can have feel abundant from and then expand from there Okay, another reason you might be binging is because there's no other source of joy or thing to look forward to in your life. Now, of course, I, I think I think I painted the picture early on in this podcast that like people with bulimia have no life, and that's obviously not the case. I'm sorry if I gave that impression. It was just that was my life. I really, when I was going through my eating disorder, the only thing in my life was my eating disorder. It felt like even though I had a life around me, I wasn't really enjoying that life around me. Uh, but if you guys have a life, like good for you. I'm I'm proud of you. You're better off than I was. Uh, but yeah. I find that a lot of people, binging and purging is the only source of pleasure in their day. The only time they allow themselves to take a break, a lot of busy moms, moms I talk to with jobs, binging is the only time they allow themselves to actually rest and and take a break because otherwise they feel guilty. They feel guilty for binging too, but they feel like, well, they have to binge. So then they go ahead and do that. But yeah, binging becomes your only source of pleasure or joy throughout the day. You really need to open up your life and make sure you have other things to look forward to, regardless of whether you're binging and purging or not. Like this is something you want to do, whether you are trying to recover actively or not, is set up things in your life that you have to look forward to and make your life bigger than bulimia. I talk about this in my course, there's a module about this, but I talk about bulimia, your eating disorder takes up so much space in your life. And it's important to do all the other tactics that we're talking about, But it is also important just to crowd it out. Like I think about something Brooke Castillo said a long time ago. And she said, what if your life was so amazing that you didn't need to turn to food for pleasure? And of course, I I differ with her a little bit. I think food can be a great source of pleasure and it's a it's a a cultural thing right like it's important to be able to enjoy food with people food can be a source of happiness and that's perfectly normal i don't think it's a problem but when it's your only source of happiness i do think that's a problem that's when emotional abuse of food can come in that's where eating disorders can come in therefore it's really important to make a life where you don't feel the need to turn to your eating disorder and if you already have a great life that's amazing focus on the other tactics I talk about in this podcast, maybe this this thing isn't for you. But if you really feel like my eating disorder is the only thing I really look forward to, that is probably an issue, right? And you probably need to find other things. Something I've been working really hard on this year is making new friends and rekindling old friendships, especially here in Colorado. And then trying to see people at least on a semi-weekly basis. I'm kind of a I'm I'm I've totally even though I'm recovered, I am such an isolator. Like I'm really good at isolating and not talking to anyone outside of work if I don't want to. But I know that I feel happier when I actually talk to people. So and and when I am not talking to people, not going out with friends, then I feel more sad. I feel more isolated. And then I feel like I'm more likely to turn to behaviors that aren't so helpful for me. So that's something I'm focusing on is how can I put more social joy in my life? Think about for you, what is something simple you could do each day? Even if it's as simple as taking a bath. One of my clients says, she's like, I'm reading more trash books, like just books that aren't educational. They're not self-development related. They're nothing helpful for you. They're just fun to read. And that is something that can bring joy into your life, right? It doesn't have to be this big social outing or having a new career or doing something fancy, going to a theme park. I don't know. It doesn't have to be this uh, eat, pray, love journey. It can just be something as simple as taking a bath and reading a good book if you want. Just make time for yourself during the day and actually find yourself something that brings joy to your day outside of your eating disorder and expand from there. Okay. That is it for today. I hope you guys found this podcast episode helpful. Um, and don't forget there's going to be the free challenge coming up in a few weeks. Uh, it will, let me look at the dates. So I have it. The free challenge will be starting March 20th. So keep an eye out for that on my social media. If you're on my email list, you'll get an email about it. um, probably a week or so before. And then also, um, if you're not on my email list, join my free course and you'll be on there. And yeah, check out the urge workshop. If you're not a part of the group coaching program, It's a really amazing program dedicated entirely to people who are binging and purging and want to just have a normal relationship with food. And the group calls are so cool. There's it's the program has grown this year too. So there's more people on the calls. There's different perspectives on the call. Last call we did on Sunday, the calls are at 9am mountain time on Sunday and you're always welcome to join anonymously. And you're always welcome to leave your camera off if you want to speak um, for privacy. But it was cool because there were multiple different people on the Call and they, had, they were talking from multiple perspectives. Like one person was kind of in the middle of their recovery. Another person was at the very end of their recovery talking about issues they're having then. And then another person was somewhere in the beginning It was just great because you got to see lessons from all different walks of recovery, and I just I wish I had had that when I was going through bulimia. I probably would have felt so much less shame. I probably would have learned quicker and probably would have recovered faster. But uh, well, that's why I'm doing it now. So if you want to join that, you can uh, go to my website and just check out the bulimia breakup program. And you can always get ten dollars off your first month by using coupon code TEN OFF, just in all caps. So you can check that out. It's a great thing. All right. I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening. And also thank you just for participating, whether you've joined my programs before or you've followed me on social, just you listening. If even this is the first time you're listening, it helps me out. I appreciate it. I could not be doing what I'm doing. I couldn't be helping the people I'm helping or living the life I'm living without you guys here. So it's been a privilege. Thank you. Never give up on yourself. Hey, if you found this episode helpful, check out my website at bingebreakers.com. It has free courses, awesome group coaching, and private coaching available to you right now.